Want to advertise your business in a cost-effective way? It's time to give podcast advertising a try. Research shows a high rate of podcast listeners made a purchase as a result of an ad they heard on a podcast. Visit podbean.com slash brands to launch a cost-effective podcast advertising campaign in minutes. That's P-O-D-B-E-A-N dot com slash brands. Welcome to Yolitics, the home of cold beer and hot takes on Texas politics. For the first time in a long time, we're having the same beverage. We are. It's called a yingling. I'm sure a lot of people have heard of this because it, what is it? It's the oldest brewery in the country, isn't it? It, it is. And see that? I, I, wait, did you see that? Just peeled it right off. Just twisted it right off with my that's, hand. That's not a twist. Oh. I was worried it was going to be one of those that's not. Remember that line from, uh, from mm-hmm. Seinfeld when his girlfriend <laughs> opens it and he's like, that's not a twist off. <laughs> um, no, it's uh, Yingling is, is a great beer. But what, what's interesting about Yingling, uh, it's, it, they have a bunch of different ones, black and tan, lager, light lager and different mm-hmm. ones. But I, I like the lager. It's popular, obviously, on the East Coast. But for the longest time, they didn't sell their beer east or west of the Mississippi River. They're just going to start doing that. Uh, in Texas, they're going to start brewing in Fort Worth and going to start distributing uh, August 23rd. But how did we get it? Our producer, Taylor Lumsden, smuggled some in from his vacation. Mm. So I was wondering vac- how we got this. It just showed up one day and, and I didn't know quite how it came about. That's an interesting he, backstory. He packed it in coffee grounds and, <laughs> and sneaked it in. <laughs> got to get it past it the, the dogs. Yeah. Yes, got to get it past them, man. You know, so, an, an interesting thing about this beer, Jason, is that uh, there was controversy with this beer several years ago. Do you remember that? I don't. What happened? I have the Forbes.com article here pulled up. Uh, yeah, this is from October 27th of 2016. Beer drinkers are boycotting Yingling after its billionaire owner endorses Trump. Uh, and so wow. there was a sort of political thing uh, that came out of this. So it's fitting... Jason, that we're having this today because that wasn't planned. Uh, somebody just pointed this out to me a second ago as I was grabbing the Yingling. Uh, they, they pointed out to me, yeah, that was the one that people, some people were boycotting. And it's fitting that we're doing that today because we are talking about the Republican Party here in Texas and, you know, how some say it has sort of become two parties, uh, the, the, the Trump wing and the traditional uh, GOP and uh, what that's going to mean for the 2022 election, because we're seeing a lot of activity in some big races. Yeah. And specifically, the, the two biggest races are the race for attorney general. And of course, the biggest race is the race for governor. And what's interesting is that, as you probably know, if you're following the headlines, conservatives are lining up to run against the incumbents, Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton. This is unusual, as you probably know, because conservatives uh, or, or, you know, people don't usually challenge their own incumbents, uh, especially conservatives. So here you go. And you have not only one, but in the AG's race, you have two people challenging Ken Paxton. In the governor's race right now, you have three people challenging Greg Abbott. And we're still a long ways away from from the primary, which is uh, next March at the earliest, perhaps later than that. So why are so many conservatives lining up? Do they have a shot? Can they send, you know, either of them into the runoffs? Who who knows about that? 
And the thing with this is uh, that it does complicate the general election for whoever wins these primaries because, you know, they're 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 being pulled right now. These candidates, you know, Greg Abbott and Ken Paxton, uh, conservative through and through, obviously, over the years are being pulled even further, perhaps to the right in some cases, especially Governor Abbott, I should say. Uh, being pulled much further to the right to try to win over that base and and win over the people who will be voting in that Republican primary. The question is, can you move fast enough back toward that center position to try to grab independents and, and, and maybe even some Democrats come the general election? And that gets harder the further to the right you go. So we have two conservatives on the podcast here with us. The first on the line is Connie Burton. She's been around for a few years. She is a former State Senator representing Tarrant County, and she is now the founder of the Texan.News. It's a, uh, a, a news website that covers a lot of state politics uh, as well, too. So Connie's on the line with us. Connie, we, we've talked about, you know, kind of what the podcast is going to lay out here, the AG's race and the governor's race. Let's talk specifically, though, about the governor's race here. You have Chad Prather in it. He is a, uh, a talk show host on the right. We have Don Huffines, a former state senator from Dallas, who has really come out strong against Governor Abbott. And Abbott's clearly uh, spooked by him because Abbott stole some of his ideas, especially about the state-funded border wall. And then most recently, we have Alan West, the former chairman of the state Republican Party. So, you know, as you, as you look at this here, how, how does it all how does it all shake out? How does it stack up? It, it's interesting, to say the least. Um, of course, we are talking about a Republican primary, right? So I think a lot of people, you know, uh, kind of forget about that. I think it's going to be, you know, Republicans and Democrats, um, all, all of right. these together. And it's like, why are they splitting the vote? It's like, no, no, this is a, a primary election. This is where Republicans in the state decide who they want to go on to run for the general election. And so, you know, obviously it's a much smaller um, amount of people. It's a mostly base supporters that get involved in the primary election. Um, and so it, it's, it's all going to be very interesting to see how it uh, comes out. I will say the fact that we have three challengers to a sitting Republican governor is quite telling. There is frustration out there. Um, there would not be three challengers to a sitting governor if there was not frustration out there with the current sitting governor. And what is the frustration? Is the frustration generally that he is not to the right enough? We have seen uh, Governor Abbott kind of tack that direction here. Right. I would venture to say that a primaried uh politician is always going to be further to uh, the left or right, whichever uh, party it is. Right. Um, and so that's uh, my particular opinion of why you're starting to see this tack to the right. You know, clearly this last year of coronavirus uh, response by the governor has definitely catapulted these challengers uh, to do what they are doing. And yet, and yet they, their um, main focus is not on uh, the coronavirus edicts, which is, I find kind of interesting, really, right? I know that's what catapulted them to decide to do this. And yet, 
their issues are very, you know, and very um, important, not that the coronavirus isn't because it absolutely is, but it's, it's kind of long standing issues that people have been frustrated with for a very long time, you know, like property taxes, the border, um, what is um, election integrity, right? Most of them are, are running on these kinds of issues. Now, as the year goes on, I'm sure we'll hear more and more and more about the coronavirus uh, response of Governor Abbott. I'm sure that'll be a part of their talking points as well. Connie, let's go through the uh, challenges here. I want you to handicap their strengths and weaknesses. Let's start alphabetical order here. We'll go with Don Huffine first, the former state senator, Republican from Dallas County. Uh, he is uh, he wasn't the first to announce. He's the second to announce. But but wh- where is he strong? Where is he weak? How does he match up to, um, to Abbott? Well, certainly he is strong um, in uh, that he has a record. He has been in the state Senate, you know, and of course, in the Senate in Texas, you only have 31 state senators. So, um, you know, you tend to have name ID from that alone. However, he does not have the name ID that an Alan West does, right? So, um, you know, he's, people certainly know him. He's run in Texas before. He's won an election in Texas. He's got a record to run on. He was a, a very conservative uh, senator, one of the most conservative senators. So he's got a record to run on. He's done, you know, he actually um, authored uh, constitutional carry when he was in the Senate. Um, you know, he got rid of um, Texas, what was it, Dallas County Schools, which was basically a, um, uh, what, a corruption scandal. Uh, You know, he's got things like this that he can talk about um, and go throughout Texas. So I think he's got, um, you know, he has a knowledge of the work of the legislature and how it works. And and of course, he got rid of the red light camera. That's right. That's right. I forgot about yeah. that. That was awesome. I, 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 yeah, I'm not endorsing anybody here, but I'm, I'm glad the red light cameras are well, gone. Well, that's it. Everybody, Chet, I mean, that is a, uh, I think people on both sides of the aisle bipartisan, are very right? happy to see that. Very uh, popular. Yeah. So how about Chad Prather, too? Let's go through these three challengers. Sure. Chad Prather, he's a talk show host. People may not be familiar with him unless they maybe listen to uh, some of his work. Uh, how, how does he stack up? Does he have a shot? Does he have a shot at raising money? You know, I, I, I'm curious about that one. You know, I've been, I've been mulling this, obviously, since you reached out to me. And, and, you know, my first and foremost thought is, you know, he, he, he obviously has name ID because he has an audience that he's been right. speaking to for a very long time. So he's got a huge uh, amount of support. How much that support is literally in Texas, I, I don't, I frankly don't know, right? It might be more national than it is um, in the state. But, um, you know, so he's got a, He's got name ID. Uh, And then I was thinking, but, you know, he doesn't have any any kind of experience in the state legislature. Right. How the government works. You know, you you just can't go in and say, I want to do this. You've got to follow, um, you know, uh, the state constitution. There are there's differences, um, obviously, than just saying you want to do something and and getting legislation passed and those kinds of things. However, as I was thinking this, I just thought, oh, yeah, but we just came off of President Trump, who, you know, I I kind of discounted my own thinking there. Um, You know, he was somebody that had not run for office. Uh, Who would have thought that he would be the president of the United States and never having held an office? So having said that, I don't think Chad has all of that You know, are people ready for that in Texas? Um, I don't know. I don't know. And then 
the the last one here, of course, too, is Lieutenant Colonel Allen West, who just announced the other day that he would uh, challenge Governor Abbott as well, too. Allen West is a former congressman from Florida. He's uh, the outgoing, the former uh, chairman of the Republican Party of Texas. He's pretty well liked by the uh, party base, isn't he? He is. He he absolutely is. So he's what he's got going for him, of course, is the name ID. Uh, I mean, he's got national recognition as well as state recognition. Right. Um, and like you said, he he ran the party um, and came off of I've noticed, you know, one of his messages is um, the election previous to him did not go well for Republicans in the state of Texas. Um, um, Colonel West came in. The um, elections went very well for Republicans in Texas. Now, you know, people can disagree on who was responsible, yada, yada. But that is one of his uh, takeaways and, and uh, you know, what he's talking about. So, yes, he is very popular. Um, and, you know, of course, I've seen things of, you know, oh, but he's not from Texas, you know, kind of thing. So people may hold that against him. Um, I was watching his announcement. Um, I thought it was incredibly insightful um, the way that he has portrayed him coming from Tennessee, as many of our founding Texas fathers did, um, you know, so. So, right. Um, you know, so we'll see. We'll see, um, you know, how that plays out with the rest of the Republican primary voters. Jason's rolling his eyes here because I'm from Tennessee, like all the native Texans are as well, too. Jason, go ahead, though. We're, we're like an old married couple now. You know, we we, we know when to roll our eyes and, and, and when to smile. We don't even have to say a word anymore. Uh, so, Connie. I like the old, the Lyle Lovett song, You're Not From Texas, but Texas um, uh, wants you anyway. Um, that's right, what I right. say. Uh, so. you're, just, you're, you're just feeding lightly right now. Let's just stop this whole line. Uh, so, uh, Connie, I, I, you know, I, I think Alan West has been uh, probably the most aggressive as far as not pulling any punches with Governor Abbott, uh, even, you know, while Alan West was, you know, heading up this, the, the, the party here in Texas. This is this going to be an ugly primary? Do you see this getting pretty bloody? And yeah, if so, is it enough to hurt Governor Abbott? Yeah, that's that's an interesting question. Again, when I was looking through West's um, website last night, I thought it was very interesting. No, I, I, I take it back. I was actually reading one of the Texan articles. <laughs> Shameless plug. Um, <laughs> so I forgot that's actually what it was. Brad Johnson with the Texan interviewed um, Alan West. And one of the things that he said was, I'm not running against anyone. I'm running for Texas, which I thought was interesting. Does that mean that it won't get ugly? I doubt it. I I venture to that. I mean, everybody always says that starting out. This isn't going to get ugly. We're going to stick with the issues. And and certainly they will stick with the issues. But, you know, you've got to point out um, why you're running. So you've got to point out what the incumbent did wrong and what you don't like about the incumbents, even if it is on policy, even if you don't get personal, which I don't think they will. Honestly, I don't think these uh, particular candidates will get personal. Um, you know, people will portray it as personal, but it's not when you stick to the issues. So, so anyway, it was just very interesting that, that uh, Colonel West said that I'm not running against anyone. I'm running for Texas. So obviously they want to stick to the issues. That's what, you know, um, we need to be voting on, not the person or the personality. So we've talked about the three challengers. Let's go back to the incumbent here. He's running for his third term, Greg Abbott, former attorney general uh, here in the state. 
A- Abbott literally has the Trump card right now. He has the endorsement of the former president, who, of course, is very popular with the Republican base. So it would seem to me if I was on Abbott's team, hey, we've we got this thing. Uh, I don't want to say, you know, sealed up, but we have the one thing that everyone else wanted, and that's Trump's endorsement. How much does that help Abbott and how much does that hurt the uh, challengers? Yeah, I'm very curious about that as well. Um, Just this weekend, I was speaking to somebody who is a hardcore, hardcore Trump supporter. Um, And she has lived in Texas all her life, um, is very frustrated with the governor and particularly the coronavirus response. Um, And so, you know, I asked her, and this is anecdotal, obviously, I get that. It's one person. Uh, But I said, okay, does, does Trump's endorsement mean anything to you? And she said, no. He did not live in Texas, um, you know, hasn't lived in Texas. Um, He did not experience the things that we experienced while Governor Abbott was in Texas. Excuse me, while um, Governor Abbott was doing what he was doing in Texas. So, you know, um, I, I yes, it means a lot. It's obviously going to help Abbott. But then I also think, you know, it was kind of just exactly what she was saying. Those were my thoughts. You know, well, okay, he endorsed him. He doesn't live in Texas. He hasn't experienced it. You know, at the end of the day, I'm going to vote for who I think is best to lead Texas. So, again, you know, and we've got a whole year from now. Right. Too. Um, there's going to be a lot of things talked about. There's going to be a lot of um ads. There's going to be hopefully forums. Uh, I certainly hope that Governor Abbott shows up and defends his policies against these uh, uh, candidates. I think if he doesn't, it would um, uh, show a level of um, elitism that 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 would be bad for him. Um, and so, you know, we'll, we'll see how all this plays out. I think there's going to be a lot of other things in play uh, other than just the endorsement. And just to be clear for people who, who haven't kept up with all of this, Connie, um, the, the governor, you know, Texas was criticized nationally for maybe being a little bit too loose with its covid restrictions, maybe opening too quickly. The the criticism that the governor is facing here in the state from the right is exactly the opposite, that he went too far in, in shutting the state down. Absolutely. Here here's here's the deal. If you Republicans are supposed to stand for limited government, government, excuse me, and personal responsibility, these are the the principles on which they run. So when you have a governor who has run on these principles and yet uses the force of government to make decisions for you and not allow those personal responsibility decisions that's a problem. So, um, yes, you know, you either say, you know, I'm for big government some of the time <laughs> and run on that, or you say I'm for limited government and personal responsibility. And then if you don't adhere to that, once you're in office, you're going to be in trouble. And that's where we see Governor Abbott right now. So, Connie, is he in trouble? Cut, cut to the chaser for us. Is, is Abbott in trouble? I think he is. Yes, I do. And the one thing that's interesting to me is Don Huffines here, just because he has some wealth behind him, he he can finance some of his own campaign. And I remember a month or two ago when when he sent out a, a news a tweet, I think is what it was, talking about the state. He wants the state to to extend the border fencing. Everyone kind of thought, oh, you know, he, he he's kind of crazy. What's he talking about? Fast forward a week, 
Abbott steals the idea and uses the idea himself, and he goes to the border and he, you know, makes it his own. That's right. Um, yeah, it, it, that was interesting to me that that maybe that idea wasn't that far fetched for Republican voters because the governor clearly saw it as an opportunity. Absolutely, and and therein is why I say clearly there's some trouble here for the sitting governor to immediately take. Um, uh, the campaign promise of a um, challenger and, you know, make it his own is is very telling. And remember, we had legislators. I don't I, I know at least uh, one House rep and I swear it was a senator, too, but I couldn't remember uh, just previous to coming on that that um, authored legislation to finish the Trump wall. And not a word was said during the whole leg- mm-hmm. legislative session. You know, the governor has a bully pulpit. We all know this. Um, This is how they get things moved and things done. And not a word during the legislative session to move these pieces of legislation that the legislators had already authored. Um, Then a challenger comes along uh, and the session ends. And all of a sudden, the governor is taking it upon himself to do exactly what the challenger stated. So, Again, these are the kinds of things that those of us that are political and watching very closely see as, hmm, this is interesting, right? And there's another, hmm, this is interesting because (laughs) this doesn't happen in a vacuum. We have another big incumbent, uh, Ken Paxton, the attorney general, who has also drawn two very high profile Republican challengers in the primary, those being uh, former Supreme Court justice here in Texas, Eva Guzman, as well as George P. Bush. So some big names coming out against him there as well. What do you make of that one? Well, that also doesn't surprise me. Obviously, um, uh, Attorney General Paxton has had issues. It's, it's definitely been um, the shot. The light has been shown on those in the press a lot. Um, I will tell you, he still has a strong base of support, um, you know, going after the federal government um, and their overreach into Texas um, for Republicans is always frustrating. And so when you have an attorney general who goes after the federal government and pushes back, um, uh, you, you, you get a lot of uh, appreciation from Republicans. So I, I, you know, I find this very interesting too. It does not surprise me that he has challengers as well. Um, and, and, and for good reasons. Um, so it'll be interesting. George P obviously has the name ID. Um, he, um, it will run a strong campaign. I'm really curious, uh, about Eva Guzman, who is, was the former, um, uh, uh, excuse me, what did you just say? The, Supreme Court, Supreme Court, Supreme justice, Court justice. Thank you. Yeah, Sorry right. about that. <laughs> um, so former Supreme Court justice. Um, she she obviously has name ID, too, because she's been a, a statewide. But I don't see it as as much as obviously a, a George P or a, a Ken Paxton. Um, so I find this race to be very interesting as well. And I always welcome, I always welcome uh, primary challengers. I think that's when, you know, uh, those, uh, the, the, the party faithful that, you know, come in and decide this is the direction we want to go. This is, um, you know, who we want to see representing us in these offices. Um, I think it's always good and healthy for each party uh, to have a good primary for these uh, offices. Of course, Eva Guzman is kind of doing the same path that Greg Abbott and John Cornyn took also coming up through the, through the judiciary. Yep. 
uh, going for statewide office, which is what what the senator and the uh, the governor did. Connie, let's talk about the party itself here, uh, because we just you know recently did an episode on the Sam party here in Texas. Uh, oh. And, and you know, some folks have left the party. Uh, obviously, the Republican Party is going through something right now. It's in the throes <laughs> of some kind of a transition because this isn't just happening in Texas. We're seeing it uh, across the country. What do you make uh, of what is happening in the party right now? I mean, you were there when the Tea Party uh, was a right. big thing and, and, and swept a lot of Republicans into power and it created a lot of division within the party and something new emerged there. What are we likely to see when this is when the dust settles on all this? So it, in my mind, it's just the same. It's it's no different than when the Tea Party emerged. Um, what those um, and, and I'll include myself in this because you all know me well enough. Um, conservative Republicans are so concerned about is that. Republicans continue to run on uh, conservative principles, but when they get into office, they don't adhere to them, right? So it's, it's really nothing different. It's not anything that we haven't already seen the last 10 years. It's just a continuation of the same frustrations. Um, you know, uh, again, are you for limited government? Are you for growing government? Are you for limited, you know, personal responsibility? Are you for government dictating those responsibilities? Are you for, you know, less taxes or, you know, if you grow government, you're going to have more taxes, right? So the Overton window to so many in the uh, Republicans continues to shift to the left, even though people out there may not see it that way. Uh, other people, I should say, that is what what is happening. I mean, I don't know if y'all have checked lately, but the U.S. national debt is twenty eight trillion dollars. We've had both Republicans and Democrats in office at the federal level, and nothing has changed, right? Um, so I remember when I was first running for the Senate, I remember I remember distinctly saying that it was $16 trillion. And, and that wasn't that long ago, and now we're at $28 trillion. So people out there, you know, will say, what's happening to the, to the right? Why are they getting so extreme? You know, and it's simply not true. What the right wants is for the right elected officials to actually do something about, you know, all this government spending and growing of government. We're, you know, very concerned that we cannot, uh, that this path um, cannot be, is not sustainable. And so um, to answer your question, it's just it's just the same. We want the Overton window to stop shifting to the left and government growing at all levels. Um, and we just want, you know, the power back to the people rather than the government. But back to these two races, the AG's race and the governor's race. Do you think that either incumbent Paxton or Abbott goes into a runoff with their challenge? I believe that I have thought that the governor's race absolutely will go into a runoff with one of the challengers. Um, I haven't really thought through it on the um, AG's race, but right now I'll say, yeah. That gets really dangerous for Abbott, though, doesn't it? Because yes. then you have a runoff that's, you know, sometime uh, next summer and we know what turnout is like for those. That that's gets right. really, really tricky. 
Absolutely. Um, and, and, you know, that's long been a strategy um, for races. You get the uh, many times to beat the incumbent. What you want to do is keep them under 50 percent. Um, and then um, the conservative or the, you know, whichever um, uh, side of the aisle you're on, um, the one closest to the base of supporters generally will win that uh, runoff. So, you know, it, it, listen, I'm not it, it is. It is it is not going to be easy. There is no doubt about it. Abbott has 40 million dollars. That's a lot of airtime. That's Texas is a huge state. It costs a lot of money. But again, we're talking about a small subset of voters here, Republican primary voters. So it's not as important in the uh, I mean, it is important, but it's it's not the same in a Republican primary as it is in a general election when you have to get out to the whole state, everybody to get out and vote. Hmm. Yeah, and of course, the, the perfect example of that what Jason was talking about is in 2012, when this little known guy named Ted Cruz, former right. solicitor general for the state, was running against the popular or once popular David Dewhurst, right. who was lieutenant governor of the state. And everyone thought that Dewhurst would have it locked up. Of course, Ted Cruz comes in and sweeps it, and uh, the rest is history there. That's right. Connie, I, I always love talking to you. Thank you so much for the time, the insight. And like you said, there is a long way to go before That's the right. primaries That's next right. year. We don't know if it's going to be March or May or whenever it is, so I know we'll be calling you back. Thank you. I love visiting with you guys. I appreciate it so much. Thank you. Call me anytime. <laughs> All right. So that is the the viewpoint from uh, Connie Burton, uh, the former state senator here in Texas. We're going to get a completely different viewpoint, but also from another uh, Republican, uh, at least former Republican. He's been more independent uh, here of late. Uh, Jason Vialba, former state rep here in Texas. We're going to get to him in just a second. First, a word from our sponsor, though. Oh, we got we got multiple Jasons. We have three Jasons. This is not the first time we've had three Jasons, but this is the first time in a long time. It's always very confusing. So let's go by last names. Yeah, just call me JV. That's easier. JV. Yeah, Vialba. Yeah, yeah. Good to see you again, man. So uh, let's talk about all this uh, news about uh, Republicans who are challenging uh, Abbott and Paxton. Let's start with the governor's race first, since this is kind of the the biggest one in the state, obviously. First question, is is Greg Abbott in trouble? I don't believe Abbott's in trouble. I think Abbott's been strong enough uh, as a conservative during the time that he served to really uh, to, to, to keep his bona fides among conservatives. I think he does command the center voters. Uh, I think the real question becomes who uh, on the left is going to challenge him? Because if it's a Democrat that's viable and credible, and someone with centrist bona fides, that means a lot of people that left the Trump uh, train in 2020 might jump over and vote for Democrats. So that's, I think, where the real race is. Yeah, that's the real uh, the double whammy uh, for Governor Abbott here, isn't it? If if he does draw a challenger who's a Democrat, who's you know well funded and uh, well known and and gets some traction early, uh, and he's still trying to put out a fire in his own party and deal with a primary, that that that's his nightmare scenario, isn't it? I think it is. I mean, he's already tacked to the right. I mean, I know a lot of people talk about Beto as being the candidate, and Beto certainly is well known, but our numbers at the Texas Hispanic Policy Foundation and other pollsters will tell you that Beto's probably not the strongest candidate to run uh, for Democrats. And so who they put up is a good question. 
Uh, I don't know the answer to that, but uh, we're going to Who find out. Who is the strongest? Do you know that? I've been th- looking at the numbers, and it's very difficult to find a well-known Democrat who can win crossover voters. Now, I think Matthew McConaughey uh, would certainly uh, fit that fit that role if he decides to run as a Democrat. But really, no one knows his politics. Like, he's more of a libertarian than I mean, anything else, independent. So. You know, who the Democrat is, I mean, I know that there are some names like Rafael Atia here in Dallas, who's got strong name identification, who's been uh, uh, very active on 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 television and 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 shows real centrist bona fides. But, you know, other than that, around the state, you've got some great names, but nobody that's risen to that statewide uh, ranking level that would be bit big enough to beat Abbott. Is Rafael Chia talking about running? Oh, no, I. I always get in his ear. He's a very good friend of mine, and I, I just think the world of him. And I've encouraged him to think about moving up. But, you know, Raphael has uh, such a, a strong following in his district. He is so well-respected yeah. in the legislature. Uh, it, it obviously will depend upon what he needs to do. But uh, I'm a big fan of his. I think I, I hope I'm hopeful that he serves uh, in a statewide capacity in the future. Here you are throwing grenades, man, and and uh, taking off on us, Piao, about Anchia possibly running. Uh, hey, here's a question that, that that I'm curious about. Where where do you think that Abbott went wrong with conservatives to draw at least three challenges? Well, I think the biggest uh, you know tar pit that he stepped in was during the COVID crisis, during the pandemic, and I think when he decided to close down the economy for a period of time, which by the way, I think was good policy and smart for Texas uh, and really ended up being the right thing to do during the time that 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 was ongoing. But I really do think that might've hurt him with the grassroots. I think it's unfair uh, to characterize though, Abbott as not being supported by conservatives. I mean, we're talking about a, 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 a governor who's been very conservative on major issues like Second Amendment and the pro-abortion or, or anti-abortion type uh, measures that really resonates with the grassroots. It's only been in a handful of areas where he might not have placated the furthest of the far right Trumpians um, to to win those voters. And I think those are the only ones that are that are barking. And the problem with that is those are the individuals who often vote in the Republican Party primary. So it's a small group of people that you're trying to win over uh, for that primary. But, uh, uh, Jason, it can be a real stumbling block uh, getting past them. It's it's a tiny block. I remember when I was in elected office and we would look at our numbers and, you know, I was very strong uh, in the general election. I was going to win overwhelmingly in a general. But boy, those primary voters did not care for the centrism that I I put forward. I think Abbott faces the same kind of, of problem. It's a, like you said earlier, a double-edged sword. He's trying to you know, reach the right, but he's got to stay in the center in order to win a general. So it's not unusual what Greg Abbott is doing, obviously. Uh, candidates of each party run to their extreme sides in order to win the primary and then run back to the center, uh, which we presume that Abbott may or may not do. He's, he's doing the first thing uh, here by running to the right. But for the primary, where does a centrist voter, a centrist conservative like you, who do you vote for? It's, you know, it's a tough choice. I mean, you know, I, I did not vote for Donald Trump in the primary. I refused to vote for Donald Trump uh, as a centrist. I'm Look, I'm a Republican lifelong, you know, but I've recently identified as an independent until such time that the Trump strains of 
of politics sort of remove themselves from the Republican Party. I'm a classic Reagan Republican. You know, the old school principles of smaller government and and strong national defense and those kinds of issues. But, you know, this Republican Party is really focused on fringy issues like constitutional carry and six week prohibition on abortions without any exceptions on you know issues that, again, resonate with what they call the grassroots. Uh, but certainly don't resonate with ordinary Texas. You know what I'm concerned about? Whether or not I can turn the lights on or the air conditioner on when it gets hot in Texas. You know, you and I, a lot I, of other people. <laughs> yeah, I mean, look, that's what impacts Texas. But on this call uh, and, and the special session, you didn't see anything about the grid. Um, that's that's mind mind blowing to someone like me. So who do I vote for in the and the and the general or the primary election. I mean, I have to see the candidates that are going to be out there, but I'm certainly not voting for for West or Huffines. I think Abbott's what I'm left with. I know Abbott personally. I know he's a a thoughtful and smart and strategic uh, uh, person. I know he's very very good and, and cares about Texas. Uh, some of his positions I don't like, but uh, look, I guess there's going to be a lot of candidates who aren't perfect candidates for me uh, and for other centrists. And so I think we're going to have to find not the best candidate, but the least worst candidate. Well, let's talk about another Trump loyalist, and that's Ken Paxton, the attorney general, who is the incumbent running for his third term. And he, too, for the state's number three office, uh, is facing two Republican challengers, George P. Bush, the land commissioner, former, or, uh, I guess, outgoing land commissioner next year, and then the uh, former uh, Supreme Court Justice, Ava Guzman. What do you make of this race? Well, this is a different calculus, right? Abbott's issue isn't the same issue that Ken Paxton right. faces. Ken is under indictment. Uh, he's under indictment in several different situations. There are other there are other pending charges against him, uh, and he's been troubled. Uh, you know, since the moment he really became uh, the AG, he's had to fight legal challenges to his personal situation, and so I think that's a different analysis. I think the reason why the uh, the challengers have come forward, someone like uh, Commissioner Bush and Justice Guzman, is because they perceive that there's going to be an opportunity to challenge a weakened candidate. Now, that being said, uh, Paxton is very popular among the Trump uh, primary voters. And so I think yeah. he's got, you know, a very good head of steam going into this race. I, I saw the recent numbers from, I don't know if it's the Dallas Morning News or otherwise, where he was in the lead. Uh, you know, he was beating George P. Bush by pr- pretty handily, about 10 points. And and Guzman, who had just registered for the vote, had, had just started to, to show up. I do think this, ro- this race is a little more dynamic than the race that we're seeing for the governor's race. I, I do think that uh, Commissioner Bush will be fully funded. You know, uh, Justice Guzman, interestingly, immediately received the endorsement of the Texans for lawsuit reform. Uh, that's compelling, Right. Texas lawsuit because it's yeah go ahead Jason explain who TLR well, is TLR is an organization that is, really works hand in hand with the Republican Party infrastructure so there's another group called the Associated Republicans of Texas and really ART and TLR work together hand in hand to sort of represent the establishment of Republicans and the fact that TLR immediately endorsed uh, Eva Guzman is is really interesting because you know there's no more patrician patricial Republican than someone like Commissioner Bush. And so the fact that TLR, this establishment Republican group, would take uh, the position of supporting Evan Guzman was, I think, quite interesting. And also in Dallas, I think you saw 
some very wealthy individuals have started to support Ava Kusman. So I think she's fully funded. I think Commissioner Bush is fully funded. I think there's some more hammers to drop uh, in the in the and the in the Ken Paxton uh, arena, and I think that's going to have an impact in this race. I think it's going to be very close going into the fall. I think you're going to see that race get very active, uh, maybe very, maybe a little uh, um, juicy, as we say, right? I mean, you saw some of the words that were being thrown about uh, from Ken Paxton and George Bush back and George Bush and back and forth. They were getting pretty salty quickly. So I think it's going to be an interesting race to watch. Do you think that the Republican primary produces a runoff in the governor's race and or the uh, attorney general race? Well, you know, I think that Huffines and West are going to split that really far right fringe vote. I think I think Abbott's in pretty good shape. I think he wins without a runoff. Now, again, it's early, right? We're talking about this race. The, the votes won't be held until March of, of 2022. And so, you know, there's a long time. Things can happen during that. But I just think that Abbott is strong enough. He's been well advised. He's got uh, the resources he needs to put those two to bed. And those two candidates, uh, West and, and Huffines, you know, again, as much as they may appeal to certain grassroots types, they're just a little too far to the right, even for, you know, SREC types, which is the state Republican executive committee and, and other uh, people in the grassroots. And so I, I don't think they, they really have much uh, of a chance to beat uh, Abbott, but I think they certainly are interested in getting their message out. I do think there is going to be a runoff in the AG's race. Um, you know, again, Paxton uh, is, is a, is a damaged candidate. I mean, you can't have an indictment and not be, not be damaged going into even a primary and who ends up being the number two person after, after Paxton. I, I don't know yet. It's it, that's going to be an interesting and compelling race too. And so we'll have to watch that one, but I do think that one ends up in a, in a runoff. You know, JV, when, when I hear you talk about uh, Republicans, it almost sounds like you're talking about two different parties uh, at this point, uh, the different factions uh, within the party. Is is the, the, the fight for the soul ongoing? And do you think that the outcome can be predetermined here? I mean, you sound pretty confident that the quote unquote Trump strains will work their way out. But is the outcome predetermined? Well, I'm a perennial optimist. I'm hopeful that that happens. I, I cannot predict it with certainty just because. Look, I'm sitting here as an unelected official because of, of that strain, right? I mean, I was that I was that squishy center rhino that everyone called me. I mean, I was a centrist Republican who believed strongly in those issues, and I was summarily unelected by the grassroots. And that's just the, the position that I took. I, I sleep well at night because of it. There is certainly a battle underway for, you know, the heart and soul of the Republican Party. It really started back in the 2008 Obama election with the Tea Party. The Tea Party morphed into this uh, cult-like following of, of Trump. But even Tea Party and Trumpism can be distinguished from one another. I think Tea Party uh, groups were really focused on issues like constitutional uh, fealty and making sure that they were truly conservative. And the, the big buzzword back then was, who's the true conservative in the race? Uh, that's gone now. I mean, what you have now with Trump is who is most likely to accept whatever it is Trump does and says, including the big lie uh, in, in Washington, including insurrection, as long as you stand by your man, uh, then, then that's, that's the party. There, there are two parties now. You've got the classic Republican Party, 
and you've got the Trump party. And, and they're, those two are different. They, they, they run under the same banner of, of R, but there's unquestionably a dissection or a division between those two groups. Who wins that group? I think time will, will, will ultimately erode the support of the cult of Trump. Uh, and hopefully that leads back to you know, classic Republicanism. But I think the party's forever changed by uh, what Trump represented. I think there's going to always be sort of that uh, libertarian strain, that populist strain uh, that Trump introduced into the Republican Party in a very different way than it's been reintroduced in the past. That's going to remain. My, my hope is that, you know, common sense Republicans like Liz Cheney and Adam Kurtz, I forget his name, Kurtz Kinzinger, from, Kinzinger, Kinzinger. From, from Illinois and, you know, other people like that start to really uh, grow their ranks. Uh, I certainly am among them and, and hopefully we get back to common sense, uh, you know, uh, conservatism like I remember when I was growing up. You are an optimist, Jason. I mean, <laughs> looking at the crystal ball, man, I, I would say just the opposite right now. Here, here's a, my last question. I should have asked you early on on this. Don Huffines and Alan West, when they both announced their candidacies, and if you look on their websites, they're not really taking the fight to Abbott, not mentioning Abbott by name, but talking about conservative principles and policies that they would implement. Isn't that a mistake? Don't they need to come out swinging if you're trying to knock an incumbent off a spot? It is curious to me. I saw Alan West's first interview with, I think it was Mark Davis. He says, I'm not running against anyone. I'm running for something, which I think is interesting. Uh, uh, my experience in campaigns is the early steps in a campaign are always what I call kittens and rainbows, right? Let's talk about things uh, that everyone can resonate with. Let's talk about our own biography and what it is that we stand for. Let's get people really firmly entrenched in our camp. And then let's start hammering our, our opponents. It's called suppression voting. Usually suppression starts about midway through the campaign or late mm. in the campaign. A lot of times, if you see those negative flyers, those negative ads, those negative commercials, they're going to be coming out right as people are voting. Uh, and so I think what you're going to see for the next several months, really, because we're, we are far away from voting, uh, is a lot of uh, kittens and rainbows from those folks. Uh, but you're going to start to see the ugliness rear its head. I mean, I, that's why I was surprised uh, about the AG's race where you saw uh, Commissioner Bush and, and Ken Paxton start to get after it already, which I thought was curious. After the past year or two, uh, Jason, I think that uh, that people are looking forward to months of kittens and rainbows, though. You know, <laughs> I, think, I think we need a lull. Well, I, I certainly am hope, hopeful of that. Again, I am the perennial optimist. Uh, it, but look, I understand uh, politics is a rough and tumble, bare knuckle sport. If you're not ready to get into that ring and get messy and throw some punches and take some punches, you're going to lose. Um, and all these fellows and, and gals, and I shouldn't say gals, all these fellows and, and women who are in these elected contests are going to be uh, in fights. Uh, they're going to be in, in desperate fights and it's going to get interesting uh, for people like me and you and Jason. Uh, I think it's going to be very intriguing to watch how it plays out. Uh, I think the, the battle for the soul of the Republican party continues and, and we're going to see how it plays out in 2022. Former state rep, awesome. Jason Vialba known on this uh, podcast as simply JV. Uh, JV. Thanks for the perspective. Really appreciate it, man. <laughs> All right, guys. Thanks so much. Have a great, have a great day and God bless. Kittens and rainbows, Jason. Uh, Kittens and rainbows should... and a yingling beer. <laughs> we should title the podcast <laughs> Kittens and Rainbows. <laughs>
and a Yingling beer. <laughs> yeah, these guys are definitely now, drinking. Yeah, you know, and, and but I mean it. I I, I do think that um, you know. I know that people are eager and, and I know that, you know, we it seems like we never end the election cycle anymore and there's never any downtime. And I know people want to get back to the polls and they want to get, you know, whatever change they want or continue in a direction. But I really do think that people are just kind of ready for this break of let's not let's not get too wild with the campaigning just yet. But it's it's hot right now. It's already hot. Yeah. And the whole kittens and rainbows thing is interesting because Jason comes at this from a a former candidate himself who's run several times. So he knows what to watch for. And and mm-hmm. like you said, people are, are a little exhausted and candidates and campaigns know that. So they're going to kind of ease into things. They'll lay low this summer. They'll they'll raise some money and see if yeah. anyone else gets into the race. And then things will really start up, you know, to crank up after Labor Day. That's when things will really start uh, going. And we'll see how you know strong these candidates are at that point. The biggest question is this whole episode focused on Republicans, but what in the world will Democrats do? Every Democrat mm-hmm. I talk to say, oh, there, there's time. Just relax. You guys want to get so ahead of things. I mean, yeah, we do. But everyone's asking this also. People inside the Democratic Party are asking this. Are we going to have right. anyone uh, viable to run against the Republicans? And, and they they haven't over the years. They've had, you know, candidates run, but they, they haven't had, at least for the governor's race, they haven't had. Uh, you know, someone viable in a long time. I predict you have already chosen the title for one of our uh, soon to come podcasts here. What in the down, world will Democrats do? What uh, in the world not, are Democrats going to do? Let me have uh, another swig of yingling. I'll see if I can get something better. <laughs> so now we'll just we'll, we'll put the cart in front of the horse and start finding the title first and then build the podcast around that. How's that sound? Guys, thanks so much for uh, for listening. We always appreciate it. Hope you guys have a, uh, a great week here as we move on down the road. And uh, we're going to keep our our uh, beer cold and our, our minds to uh, politics. Not minds to politics. What is it? Our, our ear to the ground. Beer cold and ear to the ground. Something like that, right? Mm-hmm.